This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Joining me on the phone is a former Cinderella vocalist, Tom Kiefer. He's got a new album out called Rise, and it is spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And joining me to talk about all things Tom Kiefer, Nashville Pussy, and others, it is Don Jameson. Bonjour, monsieur. Welcome back. Nice to have you. Yeah, well, I thank for inviting me back, and bonjour as well. And by saying that, I've exhausted my entire French vocabulary. <laughs> That's okay. Me too. No, but <laughs> but uh, Tom Kiefer, here, here is a guy, by the way, that you are going to have on your show uh, upcoming, right, in the next week or so? Yeah, I'm doing um, a spin-off sort of version of that metal show um, called That Jameson Show. Imagine that. Very creative. But, um, yeah, doing it with CompoundMedia.com. It's a video cast on there. And Tom's making the rounds, obviously. We're both going to be interviewing him. And, uh, obviously, I'm very excited. I love what he's been doing the last six or seven years with his solo band, his Tom Kiefer band. And uh, the new music, uh, as you said, is spectacular. So uh, can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, and uh, you don't hear it during the interview, but at the end of it, uh, I said that you were, I told Tom that you were going to co-host this episode and he said, oh, I love Don. You make sure you tell him I, I love him and, and that I'm looking forward to speaking with him next week and, and, you know, hello and all that stuff. So, so there you go. He says, he says bonjour. Uh, he says hello. So good, good well, time. I appreciate that. Although I've gotten a little trouble with Tom a few, a few times over the years, especially on the Monsters of Rock cruise, because... You know, I, he says I get his wife in a little bit of trouble, you know, late at night, you know, because Tom will come out, but, you, you know, he's usually back in his cabin by about midnight, and, you know, his wife likes to hang, and so, yeah, we might have, you know, got a little rowdy a few nights together, so I'm, I might be a, somewhat of a bad influence on Savannah, but uh, but but they're dear people and, uh, you know, obviously good friends. They're great. And and before we talk about these Nashville pussy dates, because we, we spoke about on the last episode, what you're doing, uh, London, Ontario on September 25th, all the way to October 12th in uh, British Columbia, stopping by Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. So folks, just go check the dates, you know, hit Google, Don Jameson, Nashville pussy, you'll find everything you need. But um, talk to me a little bit about your show is it is it really just a video cast or do you call it also a podcast what what sort of the yeah no obviously this is this is good because um where that metal show left off on vh1 classic you know we didn't have uh our show airing in in canada which was which was really such a bummer and that, that's part of being on a small channel um but um you know this is on a, a platform that everybody can go to compoundmedia.com and uh, there's definitely some episodes up on YouTube as well so you could just type in that Jameson show but I just call it a show you know there's a set you know it is a video cast I mean I'm tell the guests you know make sure you look beautiful if you're gonna be on with me it's it's not a podcast it's not just audio and um, it's sort of like this man it's it, it just it's a hang you know like whatever we get into whatever we start talking about that's what we talk about. Like I just had just had Josh and Stevie from Buck Cherry on on the show, and we spent about ten minutes talking about uh, squatty potties and bowel movements, and you know who's got the worst farts on the tour bus, and that's just where the interview went. It, that's a whole uh, a whole new level. I should probably start asking those questions, right? But <laughs> and and Compound Media, if you need another Canadian video show, <clears throat> I, I might know somebody. 
Um, well, we should talk off, uh, off, off the phone, as we would say. Yeah, so uh, we did mention the, the Nashville Pussy Tour yesterday. Uh, is this something that, that you see yourself doing more down the road where you connect with uh, bands and go out? Because I would imagine to do a comedy tour with this sort of extensive lineup or of dates, it might be a little bit more complicated. Is that is that a fair thing to say? Or is it sort of all the same thing? In fact, you tell me. Well, I, look, I mean, I've, I've traveled in many different ways over the years, on buses, on planes. You know, I've done driving tours. I've done all kinds of tours. So the travel part to me... It doesn't matter, you know, as long as we get to the gigs, and obviously we're, we're going clear across the country on this one. It's more the performance for me, you know. I'm direct support to the, to these bands that I open for, and I will be for Nashville Pussy. And I do about, you know, a 25, 30-minute opening set, bing, bang, boom, um, sex, drugs, rock and roll, like I told you the last time. Um, it's And it reminds me of doing the old bar gigs when I first started out in comedy. You know, I wasn't playing comedy clubs, you know. I, you know, I wasn't doing yuck yucks. I, you know, I was playing, you know, the back room of a bar somewhere. And those were crowds you had to win over pretty quickly. And that's the same with the rock crowds, man. I just got to get out there and I give it all my energy and um, I keep all the material in the family. And then, you know, you're you're laughing and, and you're ready to go for Nashville Pussy, who are, you know, obviously they, they've, their music has a great sense of humor to it. I mean, this is the Please to Eat You tour. So um, it's all kind of uh, all kind of ties together. And uh, I really can't wait to get started. Let me ask you about there's two dates that I look at and I think he's got to be nervous. Now, you come to Montreal and OK, we're sort of bilingual up here, but Quebec is very so September 27th, Montreal, Petit Café Campus, and September 28th, at La Source de la Martini in Quebec. Um, are, are you particularly scared of those ones, being that it's going to be a sort of 95% francophone audience who may or may not understand what you're saying? Well, the first thing is I'm going to look up francophone as soon as we get off the phone, but... Um, I'm guessing you're saying it's a French speakers, French audience. right? Yeah. Well, September 27th will be my birthday show, so that one's going to be fun no matter what. Um, and um, and then on that date, you'll you'll translate my entire act into French for me, and I'll put it in a teleprompter for the next night. So I think we're going to be fine. All right, that'll be good. That that'll be fun. And uh, the one thing that when I was talking to Tom that I did not ask him. Because it's like beating a dead horse. Will there be a Cinderella reunion tour? Because that's, I mean, you know, come on. Do, do some homework, people. Don't, don't ask that. But do you get fed up with people asking you about that metal show? Because, I mean, listen, it's, it's really not up to you. You don't own the name, the, the channel. The, right? Do you, I mean, I know you'd want to do it, but do you get fed up with people asking you, you're going to do that metal show again? You're going to do that metal show again? Is that one of those where, okay, enough people, stop it? No, man. I mean, we did, look, we had a nice run, um, 14 seasons. Again, unfortunately, we weren't in Canada or England or the UK where there's so many great, you know, hard rock and, and heavy metal heads. But, um, you know, we were in South America and, and Mexico and, you know, some of the Canadian people who live on the reservations got our show. But no, man, we had a good run. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that people still hold the show dearly. I think, you know, you included, like we're all fans of this music. We all seek out the things we love and we hold on to them. Like you just said, I didn't ask Tom Kiefer about 
Cinderella because that's that's our tendency is like ah you know that music is still so valuable to us so you're you're tempted to ask but no I'm grateful for it um, I wish more people would have seen it over the years but um, you know we we had a killer we had a killer ride that's all I can say yeah it was a great ride and and I did ask Tom a little bit about Cinderella but I didn't ask him about the Cinderella reunion because it's just like listen. It's not gonna happen. Like you know, it's like asking Skid Row, "Are you gonna reunite?" It's like, just can we stop? Can we stop with that question? We know the answer. Or, or saying to Gene Simmons, "Is Peter Chris coming back?" We know the answer. Let's move on. You know, move on. Yeah, and he doesn't want disrespect to people that he has in the band now, who are all you know just phenomenally talented. Um, so that's that's a thing he wants to be respectful of, of the people that he's with, and As it's they not should. just. Tom, it's not just Tom Kiefer and just whoever is behind him on the stage. This is the band he's had now for the last six years. This is a true band. So um, oh, I it know is. how much that means to him, and the music they're, they're making is, is fantastic. So, you know, good for him if Cinderella, like, same thing. If Cinderella never happens again, I still got the old records. I'm still going to listen to them. Yeah, and, and about 87 compilations of the old records, which is great, too. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> but no, but, uh, you know, listen, Tony, the, the guitarist now w with Tom, it just rips. I mean, he is as good as anything I've ever heard before. So, so yeah, just stop with the reunion questions. Uh, go enjoy Tom. Go enjoy the new album, Rise. And go enjoy the interview now. Here is uh, the one, the only, and just for you in French, Le Seul et Unique, Tom Kiefer. We are speaking with a singer, Tom Kiefer. The new album is called Rise. Uh, Tom, great, great pleasure, and I've had a chance to hear the album. It is kick-ass, for the lack of a better word. Um, first of all, bonjour, bienvenue to to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So let's let's get right into to rise, and I also want to talk about the death of me video. But talk to me about putting songs together because you do have a pedigree with. Cinderella and you have a fan base where they expect a certain sound when you go in to make an album like Rise is it just I'm free to write whatever I want or do you sort of sit there and think okay I, I sort of got to connect with this previous how do you sort of get into the writing process completely free or do you overthink it the the writing process is is always best being completely free because what what you're talking about is two different I think two different aspects of the, of the creating an album. Um, the writing always starts with a lyric, uh, which is, you know, the topic. So you just kind of wait for those to smack you in the face. And a lot of them just get tossed to the side. And every once in a while, there's one, you know, you're constantly analyzing your thoughts and you have a thought one day and you go, Oh, that's, that's a song. Um, so, and, and then you, you write it and, and the, the, the lyric usually dictates the music for me. Um, so what I mean by that, uh, if, if it's, uh, for, for example, the, the death of me off of the new record is uh, a lyric that Savannah gave me. And reading the lyric, it was obvious to me that that should be a very heavy, dark riff. So the lyric dictated the, the, the music, if that makes sense. And that's kind of how it always works for me so that was clearly a song that needed to be aggressive and heavy uh, and then you know you have songs like you know that might say hey this should just be an acoustic guitar 
you know, in one voice and not overproduced. So, so the, the story and the feel of the lyrics is what dictates that, what the music is now in terms of the overall general sound. And I guess, as you said, trying to connect with the, with the fan base, um, I have a certain style of singing. Uh, that's me. Um, whether I like it or not, I sound like me. <laughs> I play guitar like me. Um, so when I go in to perform the songs, you know, I, I think that's the common thread, uh, uh, that that makes it that you know an answer to your question that makes it um, be you know connect right. If, if that does that make sense, it does. And because I I, I, perf- I perform the way I perform, so you know that 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 sound is kind of you know something that's been in me for for years. You know. Yeah. So so let me let me just quickly get to the uh, the death of me video. It starts off with you flashing up on a TV screen, vocal paralysis, uh, vocal surgery one, vocal surgery two, and some other things of that. Um, was there a time when you were going through all this where you just thought it's over? Were, was there a fear in you, like, wow, th- th- this is really it? I'm done. Um, well, none of those things happened all at once. So they, it was kind of, I take life one step at a time. You know, I had the vocal struggles and then there were lawsuits and then there was more vocal struggles. And then there was another legal battle with my solo record. And then I had some health issues and, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's life. Um, I don't think my story is unique. I think everyone on this planet goes through, struggles every day you know there's good and bad in every day and you have to overcome it um I, I don't think there was any point where i just said to myself oh this is over you know i just kind of woke up every day and just kept putting one foot in front of the other just like everyone else does and the the television segment of that video you know those things on that screen are are my my challenges just by way of example um because I think, you know, a lot of the fans are familiar with um, the voice things I've gone through. The, the, the legal and lawsuit stuff has been pretty talked about a lot in, in the press. But that's just that's just my story. And I, I think the, the our hope is that song would be an anthem for people who are struggling with anything. And I, I, I would like people to envision their own um, challenges or adversity on that screen and and envision smashing them that that's kind of the point of that you know um so that you because that power of envisioning your 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 problems going away or destroying them i think is a, is an important and powerful thing to do so um we welcome people to imagine their own adversity and challenges on that screen and and do the same thing yeah. smash them yeah, very powerful message. And uh, before I, you mentioned the legal challenges, I'll ask you about that in a second. But uh, it says on the cover, Kiefer Band, when you tweet out, it's Kiefer Band. Talk to me about the importance of sort of having that band mentality, because you certainly could be Tom Kiefer's solo guy and, and change every, you could throw Tony Higby out, you could you could change everybody every tour if you wanted to, but you don't, you keep it as a band. How important for you is it to have that cohesive unit? And and refer to it as Kiefer band rather than, hey, Tom Kiefer, solo artist, and I'll do whatever I want. Um, well, I didn't never want to be a solo artist. 
the first record kind of came about, and you know, I've talked about this a lot, was really more Savannah and I just recording songs in our studio with session players. And next thing we knew, it was a record, and we had a record deal. I was like, oh, you know, we were like, man, we got to go tour now. So we put the band together, and uh, the band instantly had a chemistry from, from day one, you know, back in 2013 when we started touring. And the fans started recognizing that. Uh, the actually hashtag Keeper Band came from a fan online. They started they, the fans started that online, and there was a lot of chatter on social media early on. What a great chemistry the band was! People weren't just talking about me; they were talking about the band and the whole show, and the chemistry that we have as a band. And I was just was like, thank God, because I want to be part of a band. I don't want to be um, I don't want to be solo. Uh, the first the first tour to we had backdrops that had my name on them. And every time I looked at them, it just, I just felt uncomfortable. It's just weird. You know, Tom Schaefer, you know, so uh, we changed that in recent years. Now we have the hashtag Kiefer band, which was a name picked by the fans. Well, and it's a good name. And, and Tony is a personal friend and, and I encourage that you keep him because I, I, I love him in there. He does a, a great job. Um, no, we, we are. Trust me, this band is as tight as as tight can be. We are not only have a great chemistry uh, musically and on stage, but off stage too. All of us have, and we've lived a lot of life together over the last six years, and uh, we've all had each other's backs. And uh, it's a it's a good, really good family. It, oh, it's great! I saw you at M three last year. It was absolutely uh, the, the the best performance that night. Um, Quickly talk to me, and I'm not going to talk about the legal battles, but we know that Sony had a thing with Cinderella, and it, it handcuffed the band for a while, and then The Way Life Goes, same thing, it handcuffed you for a while, but I get the perception now that that's over. So do you see yourself getting back into that old school kind of every 18 months to 24 months, there's a new album, or how do you sort of see that the future of new music progressing for you? Um, I think, you know, new music, uh, for me is always about as it comes, you know, a, as it hits you, I, I don't ever force writing. None of the songs on the last two records, Savannah and I have not forced any of them. Um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's as these ideas come to you, you collect them, you jot down a line here or there, you do a voice memo, you kind of, and when you feel like you have something worth saying, you know, a collection of songs that's worth saying, you go in and you record it. So now, obviously, there's been some big gaps between records for, and a lot of the reason were outside influences. You know, sometimes it was my voice, sometimes it was legal things. Um, a, a lot of the space between the way life goes and this record was us just having a great time out on the road, and we were building the band out on the road. You know, we started very small the first year, and you know, it was a, it was. Um, something that we grew from very small clubs that were not very full the first year to, you know, being top of the bill or second on the bill at large festivals and fairs over the last six years. So um, when the issues with the way life goes over the masters and it was pulled from the shelves and things were getting a little squirrely there, we had the, um, we had made the decision to just keep touring the band because we felt like the, the band was growing out on the road and, and we were growing that. And um, that's, you know, so we stayed out and did that. And not only were we growing it as a band on the road, but we were growing our chemistry. 
And when we got, when we got to the end of last year's touring, we kind of all looked at each other and it's like, it's time to make a record. The, the chemistry that, that this band now has from having toured, I wanted to go in and be, you know, have that captured that chemistry. And we, we, we've honed that chemistry over the last six years on the road. And we tried to capture that vibe in the studio. The records cut very live. Um, and I think it was important for us to spend a lot of time on the road and become a band before we went in to do that because I wanted it to be real. I wanted it to feel real. And I think Rise has that kind of live, raw chemistry. And it was, um, it was, the, t- it was the right time to make the record. So th- there's factors that, there's different factors every time as to like when it's time to make a record. You know, A, do you have the songs? Uh, B, is, are you legally allowed to, which we, you know, we've been through. But, you know, get the space between my life goes, there was, there's a couple, many reasons, you know, kind of growing the band and becoming a band was one of them. Um, so there's always different factors moving forward. You know, I don't know. We could have a record in 18 months or, or maybe not. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't ever like to force music. Which, so, you know, any outside forces aside, um, you know, if you can, in a perfect world, if there's no outside forces, legal things, voice problems, whatever, bands breaking up, any, any of that kind of thing, um, it's still going to be about when you feel like you have the songs and, and, and it's time. Right. Um, okay. Well, let me ask you this. In terms of new music, and I'm going to ask you on sort of the creative level, but also on the business level, how important for you is it to have new songs creatively to say, hey, you know what? I'm still an artist. I can still write. I'm still creating, but also on the business side, because it's very easy for Tom Kiefer to run out there and say, Tom Kiefer's Cinderella or Cinderella featuring Tom Kiefer or what, and play the classics and not bother. Uh, but I get a sense that that's not good enough for you. You want to bother. You want to stay creative, correct? Yeah, I mean, I've written songs since I was a kid. And um, I think, you know, new music injects kind of a new energy into um, you. Uh, we're we're really excited to be playing these new songs live. Um, and the new music from The Way Life Goes and the new, new music that we've been doing from Rise for the last six weeks out there before the record's even released, it's going down really well and it mixes really well with the classics. I'm, I'm always going to play the classics because they're such a part of me. You know, I, I wrote them, I sang them. I did, you know, majority of the guitar work on those records. There's no way I can't do those. Um, I want to do those. I love those songs and, and the fans love those songs. But when you're able to bring the new music in with it, and they're liking that as much as the old stuff that, that, that brings a, a great energy into, um, into the live performance and into just the, you know, the whole spirit of the band. And, and it's, um, it's, it's just, it's an artistic expression, you know, that you want to keep continue to do. Yeah, absolutely. And on, and on the business end of it though, is it important to have new product out there for fans does the marketplace demand new music and new something or is it just, no, listen, I, I just, it's about being creative. It's, it has nothing to do, you know, I, how about, a, I, I think, I think it's important in the sense of from the standpoint that I've started something new 
from a pure forget the fact that just as an artist you know i'm going to keep continu- continuing to make new music i'm asking you from the standpoint of business as you said since i've started something new i think it's very important that new music is injected into it because to just go out and play the old stuff um and and try and sell it as hey i've created something new here is that's i don't think that's legit um i, I think it is legit to say I'm going to play the old stuff because it's a part of me and I love playing that stuff and the fans want to hear it. But this is also a new project and a new band and there's new music uh, along with it. So I think, you know, from the, from the standpoint of your question, I think it's very important in that sense. It is. Um, well, it is. Be- beyond, beyond, just, beyond just wanting to create new music, you know, the desire to do that. Well, and I agree. I think it's nice for me to know, you know, go to M3 next year and see Tom Kiefer there and get a shirt that says Rise on it and pick up a CD and not, you know, just to say, hey, this guy's still active. This guy's still delivering something for fans. Um, I want to just go back into the past a little bit. No, I'm not going to ask you about a reunion tour because that that question's been beat like a dead horse that you couldn't believe. But I was talking to Al. Oh, right. Hey, Tom, is there going to be a reunion? Yeah. No, shut up. Um, no, but I was talking to Alan Niven, who's a friend of mine who used to manage Guns N' Roses. And I, and he said, Hey, well, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to interview Tom later. And he said, Oh, I always hated their band name. He said, if, if they had had a tougher name, they would probably still be playing stadiums. And I thought, well, that's sort of a strange thing to say. But but looking right, but but looking back at it, does he have a point? You know, he said, "Well, they sh- they could have at least made it Cinderella with an S." Uh, and and if you don't like the question, blame blame Alan Niven. But 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 do you think that by having the name Cinderella and by having that sort of over the top imagery of the first album or, or second, that perhaps you you might have shorted yourself? Is that a reasonable thing to say, or is that just completely out to lunch? Uh, I you know I I don't know. I mean, look, we had a ton of success and I think ultimately success comes down to the music that you create. So, you know, the, I, the notion of the name Cinderella being something that was an anchor, um, you know, the, the, the concept of that was, and Gene Simmons, you know, was involved early on or took an interest in the band. And he said, I love that name. He said, it's that non, you know, it's, it's not obvious. He said it's it's the type of name where it's something light that describes something heavy. And there's been bands throughout history who've had that. Queen, Kiss, Sweet, Cinderella. You know, even Alice Cooper, before you heard his music, it's just this is some this is a girl's name. What does this mean? It's a light name describing something heavy. Once you hear the music, you forever associate that heavy sound with that lighter name. And it's just it's just a different approach to, you know, naming your band. You know, some so, you know you could have a heavy band and call it the Crushers or whatever. You know, it's a little obvious. So it, it, we we kind of liked the idea that it was not the norm or the the obvious at the time. There were a lot of bands in the early '80s coming out with names that were very literal or described their sound literally. So, um, you know, I mean, that was kind of the idea behind the name. Um, and I don't think that um, I don't I can't say with 100 percent certainty if we had a different name, anything would have been any different. I, I think you're defined by your music more than anything. Um, right. So as you, for the, 
I mean, I don't have any complaints about the success that we've had. I, I think we had a lot of success and I'm continuing to have success. Um, so, you know, who, who knows? You know, I, I try to not have any regrets or rethink the past. Right. So, so what you're saying is Alan's out to lunch, which, and, and I'm going to agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> and when, and when he hears this later, he'll be like, Hey, wait a minute. Um, well, I'm sure, I'm sure other people think the same thing. I don't know. You know, it's, you know, if, uh, if Queen didn't go on to be as huge as they were, would, would people say, Oh, they shouldn't have called themselves Queen. You know, they should have called themselves, the, you know, Hammerhead or, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. God. Yeah. What, what, you know, you would have been balls I mean, it's or like something. I mean, again, I think it all comes back to, you know, I think ultimately you're defined by the, the music that you make. Well, it really is. And so uh, let's talk, no, let's not talk reunion tour, but l- let me just quickly talk about, uh, about the, the previous band in the sense that there is this perception from the fans, the fan base that it was these four guys that created everything. But, but ultimately the truth is that, that there were some studio musicians, especially on the drummer side. Um, why, in a sense, was there this sort of rotating drum stool in the studio and then sort of a different face put forward? Was it just you couldn't get the sounds you wanted? Was it scheduling that wasn't? What was sort of the rotating drum stool situation? And ultimately, how did it help or hinder the band? Um, you know, I'll start by saying that that's not uncommon, um, that... Um, session players are brought in to play on records. Uh, what What is uncommon is that a band will make that public and be honest about it, which is what we did. Um, so, you know, it, it really comes down to the, the producer. I mean, Andy was extremely particular about drumming. He, he recorded John Bonham. He recorded Charlie Watts. I mean, this is a guy that knows time. He knows groove. He knows swing. And, um, you know, I think uh, Fred is an extremely talented drummer. He was very young when he joined the band. And, um, you know, Andy made a call and brought somebody in. And, you know, to Fred's credit, you know, he, he sat and he watched and he learned and he woodshedded and he, he worked really hard. And I tell you, he kicked ass on the Long Call Winter Tour. And uh, he played on Heartbreak Station and did a great job. So... Um, but you know, most of the time, like I said, that's not uncommon, uh, particularly if someone's inexperienced or young and it's usually the producer's call, you know, they're hired by a record company and paid a lot of money to create a record and they, you know, sometimes have to make hard decisions. Yeah, they do. And, and listen, I can't complain. The albums are great. Uh, and now um, we're running out of time. Yeah, I mean, so. I, and, and, and I don't, I don't know that that really hurt the band i mean like i said ultimately you are i think a a band is defined ultimately by what is is in the grooves and like i said it's not uncommon that that happens and i'm not going to name any names but i could tell you stories of that about some bands that you'd be shocked (laughs) and i'm just going to leave it at that it's it's not an uncommon thing producers do that all the time yeah, which, yeah, it, it's true. Listen, uh, I don't think any Kiss album in the 1980s were actually recorded by Kiss, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. But um, touring-wise, uh, I'm up in Montreal. We haven't seen you here in, in quite a bit. 
what are sort of the plans for touring? Do, do you want to get to these other markets? Do you want to get you know, to Australia and to Europe and to Japan? Or are you mainly an American artist who just tours America? Because that's, that's sort of, as a Canadian, what I'm sensing. Perhaps wrong, but that's uh, like, come on, get up here. No, no, no. I, actually, we've been to Canada quite a bit, actually. We've uh, done several festivals up there. Um, we, I'm going to say we've been to Canada easily five or six times with this band. Um, we've been to, we did a, f- a five-week tour of Europe back in 2015 with this band. So um, we are we are entertaining any offers that we get that are that make sense, and when they do, we take them. We want to play. We want to play everywhere. Well, and you should because the band is great. And and yeah. I'll finish on this, and then we'll remind the folks. Rise is out September thirteenth. It is. I've heard it. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so so kudos to that. And speaking of the live show, there has been a lot of talk. You listen to different radio shows and so. They talk about backing tracks and backing tracks. Sebastian Box on record going, you can't do that. What is sort of your take on backing tracks? Is it an enhancement that delivers the best show possible or is it cheating? Um, what's sort of your take on that? Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's not something that I would want to do because it would not be to me, um, you know, as a performer, I, I it w- wouldn't be very satisfying. Um, but I think that every artist is free to present their live show any way they want. It's just not, it's not something that I would want to do. Um, so I, I'm not going to judge other people for it. I think everyone's free to do what they, what they want to do. And if their fans are happy going to see that, then, you know, I mean, every situation is different. It's not something that I would want to do. Well, and, that, and that's good to hear. Uh, Tom, always, always a pleasure. Been a fan since the early days. Uh, and as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. And fans, buy Rise. Uh, don't stream it. Buy it. Or stream it, too, if you want. Thank you, Tom. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on, Mitch. Absolutely. Good talking to you. Anytime. Cheers. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk.